Come see the new quiz show, Go Fact Yourself, with special guests Andy Richter and Fresh Air's Tanya Mosley. It's March 23rd at the Crawford. Get your tickets at las.com slash events. Hey, this is Antonia Cerejido, the host of Imperfect Paradise from LA Studios, the show about hidden worlds and messy realities. So I really hate to take us back there, but I must. The year 2020. I personally spent hours and hours developing an unusual attachment to my compost bin, trying to individually solve what I saw as the fundamental breakdown between humans and the land, an actually very cool hobby for very mentally stable women. But safe to say, I was not the only person tackling some of society's largest existential questions during the pandemic. One of the queries that was beamed across the fiber optic cables that kept us connected in that time of social distancing was, can we reassess our relationship with work? It was a topic that during the COVID-19 crisis was urgent. Tens of millions of people lost their jobs. The number of people teleworking or working from home ballooned from just 5% of the population to over 50 over the year. And so logically, many of us were thinking of how to change our relationship to our jobs, how we work, where, and under what conditions. This is a story of a group of people who tried to reimagine their work lives. It's about the gap between the dream and the reality of what work can be. And a side note, for this story, I spent one of the most surreal nights of my life. You'll have to wait for episode three for that. In this series, assumptions will be challenged and secret plans will be revealed in one of the hottest stories out of the so-called hot labor summer. The strip club that opened in August 2023 as the only unionized strip club in the U.S. Strippers at a North Hollywood studio are making history. They said that owners here ignored their concerns like compensation, better security, and protection from sexual harassment. After 15 grueling months of battling their employers, the dancers at Star Garden Topless Dive Bar just voted unanimously to join a union. This is the story behind those headlines. It's about the secret and messy work of organizing. There's a story about this that has been instrumental to the campaign. And then there's what was really happening. Deeper tensions over who actually benefits from unionizing in this industry. Their movement is a distraction to the marginalized movement of strippers here in Los Angeles. The limits and challenges of unionizing and what it could make possible in the strip club. Can you imagine a strip club that strippers got health care? The strippers get like childcare credit. The strippers get paid properly. It's about sex work as work and the work of improving your workplace. This is Imperfect Paradise Strippers Union Part One. Here's Elias producer Emma Alabaster. When I heard your name, Emma Alabaster, mm-hmm. I was literally like, that sounds like an amazing stripper name. You were like, is she a stripper, though? Amazing stripper (laughs) name. The flow of it. Okay, so I haven't worked as a stripper, but I have done other kinds of stage performance. And I've done some organizing myself. I come from a pretty pro-union family. My parents were both in the teacher's union. 
I even grew up going to a social justice summer camp where instead of color wars, we had Peace Olympics. And one year, all the teams were named after different historic labor strikes. I was like age 10 on the team for the 1936 General Motors sit-down strike. So since I was a kid, unions have been something I respected and felt personally tied to. I even tried and failed to organize a previous workplace. Today, as a producer here at LAist, I'm a member of our union, SAG-AFTRA. So going into the reporting of the story, there was a narrative in my head about how unions work and who they serve. Hundreds of hours of interviews later, I've come to a more nuanced and complicated understanding of what unions can accomplish in our current capitalist economic system. The first person I spoke to was Wicked. That's her stage name. We'll be using stripper stage names throughout the show. How do you want to be introduced in terms of, like, your role at Stargarden? Or- um, I usually tell people that I am the first stripper that Stargarden hired post-pandemic that stayed. Wicked is skinny and white. In her Instagram pictures from the club, she wears heart pasties, a thong, knee pads, and platform heels. She looks tall, soaring above the crowd on the pole. But when we meet up, she's way shorter than I expected. She's just come from rock climbing, so she's in workout clothes, her hair's in a braid, face bare. Are you comfy? Do you need anything? I am. Nope. I'm pretty comfy. Yay. It's my first sit-down interview for this story, so I'm a little nervous. And I can tell she is too. But even when Wicked just talks about stripping, I can see her step fully into her power. I love the feeling that you get when you watch a femme doing beautiful femme things. Like, there's just something so What else do you love about stripping? I love the connection. Like, people will come in, they will tell you about their dead dog, their dead wife, their dead friend, their divorce, their kids aren't talking to them. I like that sense of, like, these people are kind of gifting to me their little pieces of humanity, but I do put it on a timer. (laughs) Two songs, or we need to, like, I'm so sorry that happened to your friend. Are you ready to get a lap dance? (laughs) I wanted to talk with Wicked to understand what led up to the Stargarden strippers' decision to unionize. And really, this story starts in the summer of 2021, when Wicked was first hired at Stargarden post-lockdown, a rough time for the strip club industry. I wanted to understand what kind of landscape Wicked was stepping into, so we reached out to about 10 strip clubs— bigger chains like Deja Vu and local spots like Jumbo's Clown Room, asking to interview someone about what it's like to run or manage this kind of business, the good parts and the challenges. No one wanted to be interviewed. So instead, here's what I've gleaned from a recent report from Ibis World, a market research firm. As of 2023, there are about 4,000 strip clubs in the U.S., And even though there are bigger, more corporate chains, it's not an industry with major dominant players, meaning there are a lot of mom-and-pop strip clubs. More recently, the industry has faced increased competition from places online, like OnlyFans. And it's an industry that goes round on disposable income. So when the economy dips and people have less money, strip clubs feel it. According to that report, strip club revenue has contracted a bit over 5% in the last five years, with a hit especially in 2020. 
During the pandemic, the strip club wasn't exactly an essential service. So clubs closed down. And even when they reopened, customers were slow to return. Wicked had moved to L.A. right before the start of COVID. So she was happy when pandemic restrictions eased and she could dance again. But right away, she was in an unusual situation. You were the only one working there? I was the only stripper in the building for quite a few weeks. It felt like forever. So I was busting ass every night I was there. The full eight-hour shift of me just grinding. It is talking to people, lap dances, back on the stage. Like, continuously. And I made good money. The strippers I spoke to told me there's a wide range of how clubs do money. Some strippers are classified as employees, making an hourly wage plus a split of tips. Many dancers we spoke to are treated as independent contractors, kind of like Uber drivers, meaning no benefits and no hourly wages. This employment classification question is really fraught, actually. We'll get into it later in the series. Many of the dancers we spoke to said they make most of their money by selling lap dances and from tips. You know, like when someone makes it rain on stage. It's typical for dancers to actually have to pay to work in their clubs, what's known as a house fee. It's sort of like a hairdresser who's considered a lessee renting the chair in a hair salon. Except strippers aren't just paying that rent. They're also expected to tip the other workers at the club, the DJ, manager on duty, bartender, and security. On a bad night, a dancer can leave a club in the red. At Star Garden, Wicked was an independent contractor. And because she was all alone, she was making bank. But I wanted community. I wanted friends. I was thrilled when they started hiring more dancers. Because every stripper that came in was another barrier between me and ever having to work a shift alone again. At this point, unionizing was the last thing on Wicked's mind. She just wanted coworkers. And slowly, more and more dancers did get hired. And Wicked noticed a pattern that most of them were what dancers call baby strippers, meaning they're new to the industry. Wicked decided to take this as an opportunity. As the most senior stripper there, she was basically getting to help start a workplace from scratch. So she wanted to set a different kind of tone at this strip club. I've been in some places where it's like, it's vicious. And you are competing. And you can't be friends with any of these strippers because they don't want to be your friend. That was what I told the strippers that were coming in. is like, we're going to do something different. We're going to do something special. I've always been told to be that hard, competitive stripper, not be nice and not compliment and just stay to yourself type of thing. Wicked was just like really welcoming to everybody and would tell me encouraging things that you kind of need throughout the day. This is Selena. She's a college student, and she's been working part-time jobs since she was 15. I've been living mostly on survival mode because, unfortunately, I am undocumented. So that has taught me a lot about being a marginalized worker. When she came to Star Garden, it felt special right away. 
I remember my first time going on stage. I was very, very nervous. And all the girls hopped for me and cheered me on. And I was like, wait, like, is this actually happening? Like, the girls are, like, not in competition with me or they don't feel threatened by me. And it was just so wholesome. Like, the community that was already built in there was meant for something greater, you know? It just had this charm, like these red curtains and like the stage just looked really beautiful. You know, something about the lighting, it kind of just looked like like a little music box. This is Reagan. Unlike a lot of her coworkers, she's been stripping for over a decade. Oh my gosh, I had so many like conversations with like baby strippers about boundaries and like how to tell the customer like what they can and can't do and how to do it in a way so you can still get your tip. Like, you know, make it into a joke, say it with a smile. Me and Wicked just teamed up. We'd be like, damn, we're like a stripping 101 back here. The Star Garden dancers felt like they were building something positive together. It still felt like there were never enough of them to fill shifts, but they started a group chat to organize their schedules, share memes, and make their own COVID protocols. And that was something I had never had at another club, where it's like, wow, this is a real community. We're really working together instead of working at the same place. Wicked saw it as her job to make sure the supportive vibes carried over to the club floor. If you were sitting with a stripper and you weren't tipping her, I would probably come up near that stripper. And if I knew that they were comfortable with it, I would touch them and be like, look how hot she is. Look at her nails, look at her hair, look at them titties. How are you not putting money on this? Can I put some money on her for you? And if I sat down with you and you weren't feeling me, I would ask you like, do you see somebody else here? that you are feeling more. I will go get them for you. Later, when the dancers unionized, strippers like Reagan would say Wicked had set the tone that made their organizing possible. The environment that she laid the groundwork for in the dressing room was the secret sauce. That's what led to the successful campaign. I carved out my own little kingdom, (laughs) my own little niche in Star Garden of being like, I was the first one here and I want everyone to have a good time. But Wicked wasn't actually running this kingdom. It was run by husband and wife, Stepan Kazarian and Yevgenia Kazarian. But I'm going to refer to them by the names they used with the strippers, Steve and Jenny. Wicked and Reagan told me that Steve reminded them of other club owners they'd worked with. But in the beginning, it felt different with Jenny. She's a mom. She acted very caring and wanted to see us succeed. She was great about birthdays. She brought in presents and a beautiful, like, specialty Armenian cake. I really felt like As a woman, being a boss of a strip club, she must care about the dancers. We reached out to Steve and Jenny several times, and they declined to be interviewed. We were able to ask their attorney some questions. She responded to some and not others. So I have no idea what Steve and Jenny's big hopes and dreams for the club after the pandemic were. 
But what I learned from the dancers is that Jenny had her own way of running Star Garden with three main rules. And then we called them the three Ds. It was no drugs, no drinking, actually no drunk, because we were asked to drink alcohol and get customers to buy us drinks. And the last one, and the most deadly, no drama. Which, putting all of those together, that's very subjective. More girls were fired for drama than anything else. Because what's the definition? Where are the lines? None of us knew. We found those lines ourselves stumbling in the dark and watching other girls not come back. Star Garden Management's lawyer, Anne Ruda, told us she couldn't comment on what happened in 2021, but did stand by the three Ds. What was it there that I don't see a problem with those three roles? I think they're pretty fair. You know, as you know, in the state, employment is that world. And I don't know what definition they were using of drama, but for my business, I would not want employees who use drugs, were drunk, or had drama either. According to the dancers, it was easy to get fired at Star Garden, but they were also concerned about who could get hired. Here's Wicked. Also, definitely would <laughs> greet customers with like a, what's your flavor of the night? Do you want skinny white bitch or skinny white bitch? Because that's all we got. You would say that? Oh, absolutely, I said that. <laughs> absolutely, I said that because I was resentful. We just needed enough strippers to fill the shifts and they weren't hiring them. And I couldn't understand why. That's coming up after the break on Imperfect Paradise. We'll be right back. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading e-commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash paradise, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash paradise now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash paradise. Imagine if you could charge your electric vehicle at the places you already love to eat, shop, and play. Whether you're at the movies, on your weekly grocery trip, or running errands at your local mall, Volta EV charging stations are built around your day-to-day -day and located in your community and nationwide. All you have to do is check in, plug in, and go about your day. It's EV charging made convenient. Download the Volta app to find your new favorite place to charge. 
This is Imperfect Paradise. I'm Emma Alabaster. Strippers we talked to in different parts of the country told us that clubs are often racially coded based on what music they play. There are urban clubs that play hip-hop and have more Black dancers and clientele. And then there are rock and roll clubs with mostly white dancers and customers. Many strippers and feminist writers have written about how strippers at most clubs are copying styles created by Black dancers. It seemed like Star Garden was a rock and roll club. This became clear to Wicked when she tried to get the club to hire her best friend, Danger. Wicked and Danger met at the very first club that Wicked danced at in North Carolina, before she really knew what she was doing. I was terrible at dancing. I was awkward in every single way a white girl. Like, I did not know how to move my hips, but I had a lot of heart, and I tried my best. I'm not gonna lie, like you guys, hooey. It was awful. I couldn't let her go out like that. You can't be in the club looking crazy with me. While the other strippers at Wicked's first club were laughing at her, Danger taught Wicked all the tricks of the trade. I taught her how to stretch, how to clap them cheeks, <laughs> <I twerk. laughs> we danced in every club together. You know, people don't see girls doing double pole tricks together, especially a white and a black girl. Some people called us salt and pepper out here. So Wicked wanted salt and pepper to reunite and asked Steve and Jenny if Danger could come audition at Star Garden. I'm like, if you like me, you're gonna love her. There's a reason her name is Danger. This bitch did blindfolded pole tricks. Madness, she's incredible. And I was like, you do know she's black, right? And they expressed to me that it didn't matter that she would still be given a chance. At Wicked's invitation, Danger bought a plane ticket and took the five-hour flight from North Carolina to Los Angeles. It was after midnight by the time she got to Star Garden. Maybe too late to audition that night, but at least she'd catch Wicked. According to Danger, Steve, the boss, met her at the door. He proceeds to, like, go in the club and try to shut the door. And I was like, no, like, seriously, like, I just want to go sit down and wait for her if that's okay. Like, I'm tired. He did let her in the building. But he came to me and he yelled at me and told me that we bring people into the club for auditions, not you. Danger sat at the bar, nursing some wine, talking with customers, waiting for Wicked Shift to finish. The customers wanted me to get on stage, but like I told them, I don't think the, the, the boss wants me to dance tonight. Wicked says the next day, management told her the danger couldn't come back to the club to audition. I literally like put all my money in a flying way to California. So I felt like at that moment, my time had been wasted. I spent all my money for nothing. It was crazy. He never gave me a chance. Stargarden Management's attorney, Ann Ruda, told us she couldn't speak to this incident with danger, but said, I think we would strongly object to and be offended by any characterization of discrimination. When we asked whether Stargarden had hired any Black dancers since 2021, she said she could not comment. Here's Wicked. They had hired white girls. They hired Asian girls. They hired light-skinned Latina girls. Well, there was something missing, and we all knew it. 
You can't imagine the amount of smack talk that went on backstage. Just like where we're trying to work out, like, what are they thinking? Yeah. You and the strippers were talking backstage. Were you talking about it to their face as well? There were strippers that did. Um, I'm a coward, though, and I did not. I put my blinders on, and I expressed my resentment in private, but I did not put myself in a position that my job could be at risk. Like, when I say I put blinders on, it's the blinders of, like, what has happened in strip clubs, how strip clubs kind of function. Maybe this isn't as great as I think it is, but is it better than what I've been through before? So far, yeah. I'm just thinking, like, if I went through something like that at my friend's workplace and then my friend kept working there, like, I might feel some kind of way about that. Honestly, no, I couldn't make her feel no type of way about that. I understood she had bills to pay. So even though, yes, I was kind of salty, it was never because of her. I just understand it come with the territory of certain clubs. You can't change certain people. Danger flew home to North Carolina. And Wicked put her blinders on, stayed put, and focused on the needs of the dancers who actually made it onto the Star Garden stage. You know, sometimes complaining about a boss, about your situation with coworkers, it's a bonding thing, and it makes the day-to-day more bearable. But in a funny way, it insulates you from the bad stuff. It normalizes it. And I think that's sort of what was happening at Star Garden. There were a bunch of things that the dancers complained about, but lived with. For example, the pole. First thing I tell Jenny is, you need to fix your pole. Your pole does not spin properly. It doesn't cost much. It's pretty simple. It can be done in a day. Please fix your pole. And then there was the money. The way it worked at Star Garden, according to the dancers we talked to, They didn't have to pay a fee to perform, like at some other clubs. But they had to give 50% of their lap dance money to management. It's like, oh my God, how did they convince me that half of my lap dance money is a fair price for me to work at their place? I've heard so many different versions of how clubs split money with their dancers lap dance quotas, even sliding scale percentages based on the number of lap dances. What I heard from dancers at different clubs is that they all had issues with the cut the management took. And I think financial exploitation can happen in all industries, but in stripping, it's especially tangible. Because in my job, the relationship between what I do, how much money it brings into the company, and how much I get paid, it's all pretty abstract. But strippers, hold the cash they make in their hands and waistbands. I don't know if I can really give words to describe the feeling you get when you busted your ass for eight hours and you've done 15, 16 dances and you've made $800, $900 in lap dances and then you get 400 to take home. Some dancers we talked to said they felt pressured to sell lap dances and to guests who were often drunk and pushed the dancers' boundaries. And another huge issue, security. Wicked says that about two dozen strippers were hired over the eight or so months that she danced at Star Garden. But she doesn't remember the number of security guards increasing. 
Drunk customers plus inadequate security can be a dangerous equation. In other clubs, dancers told us that security was there to enforce club rules and act as bouncers if customers crossed any lines. But dancers alleged that wasn't the case at Star Garden. As a heads up, these next couple of minutes contain mention of sexual assault. Security has intervened when customers get loud and rowdy and they're throwing things. But when a customer won't get his hand off my leg and he has not paid to do that, like, why is security not coming over and being like, hey, don't touch her? It felt like the Wild West. If there were any rules, nobody knew what they were. This is Reagan again, the other more veteran stripper. Customers would often slap dancers really hard, like even like leaving marks. I've seen customers pick up dancers, like stand up and like pick up off the ground. Multiple dancers told me stories of being assaulted at work. I literally had somebody shove their fingers in me while I was on stage. And like, what do you do with that? And, and nobody intervened. Nobody intervened. These allegations, the lack of security and sexual assault, would be part of complaints that dancers would file later on with the Occupational Safety and Health Administration and the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission. Star Garden Management's lawyer, Ann Ruda, told us that house rules about safety were posted in the club and declined to comment about the number of security guards, security intervention, or incidents of assault. Here's Ann. I can't speak to what happened in the past, but I can tell you Star Garden itself takes a conservative approach to protecting our employees. We would rather turn down a patron than put the safety of Star Garden's employees at risk. A few dancers told me that although a lot of stuff happened to them at other clubs, these incidents were worse at Star Garden. Here's Wicked. You also, as a stripper, faced with the fact that people will look at you when you tell them something happened and ask, you're around a bunch of drunk people, basically naked. What else did you expect? And it's like, I expected to be treated like an employee at a company, because that's what I am. (laughs) Over time, Wicked says she got more and more resentful. But... She kept trying to make it work. I know you said that part of that was that you knew it wouldn't be necessarily better somewhere else. Yes. Were there other reasons you wanted to stay? My friends, my community, the possibility. That was really, I think, what like held me by my balls. I don't even have, I don't have balls, but they held them, was the possibility of what the garden could turn into. But then came what the dancers would later describe as the three strikes. Three events that they said pushed them over the edge. That's after the break on Imperfect Paradise. At a time when information continues to come at us faster and faster, sometimes you need to hit pause and rewind. NPR's Throughline takes you back in time to the source of the news stories filling your feed. Find NPR's Throughline wherever you get your podcasts. 
You're listening to Imperfect Paradise. I'm LA's producer, Emma Alabaster. In the spring of 2022, everything came to a head. Several dancers have said there were three big things that went down to make them decide they couldn't live with the issues at Star Garden anymore. The three strikes that led them to organize, which would later be laid out in a petition they'd present to management. The first strike? What happened to Reagan? I was concerned at this time with, like, a customer that was exhibiting some scary trademarks of, like, obsession and possessiveness. In a confidential witness affidavit from the National Labor Relations Board that Reagan shared with us, she described how the customer asked to see her outside of work multiple times. He even showed Reagan five tattoos he'd gotten of her. And he would just be in the club after closing time when, like, we're getting dressed and we're in our, like, civilian clothes. The Star Garden dancers told us that sometimes certain customers were allowed to hang out in the club after closing time. They said this is not typical for a strip club. It's a safety issue. Many of the strippers look really different when they step out of their stripper sonas. Shoes, makeup, wigs. And being seen in civilian looks by customers takes away some of their anonymity in the real world. Reagan didn't want any customer, but especially the customer who was scaring her, to stay after closing time. In February 2022, she decided to speak up. What happened next is also laid out in Reagan's affidavit with the NLRB. She said a bartender was acting manager that night, so Reagan decided to talk with him about her concerns. I'm worried about this customer getting possessive. We, the dancers, like, we really don't like customers being able to stay late. It compromises our safety and our privacy. His response was to just, like, deadpan look me in the eye and tell me that the customer was going to kill me. And he said it again. He's going to kill you. Like, he's for sure going to murder you. And I was just like, what? And then the security guard chimes in. He's like, oh, yeah, like, he, he was just asking me about taking him to a gun range. And I was infuriated. And, and I was just like, well, can we kick customers out at the end of the night? And the bartender's response was, well, what are you doing to lead him on? <laughs> Which I love because that's my job description. <laughs> I, like— got in my car and just, like, sobbed. Like, I was completely freaked out and angry. We spoke to another dancer who said she witnessed all this, the possessive customer and Reagan's interaction with the bartender and security. She corroborated Reagan's version of events. Three days later, Reagan says she drove back to work. She got as far as the front door when the boss stopped her. Steve told me that he was really sorry and I had, quote, gone off on staff, unquote, and that I couldn't be there. I was so shocked. I was like, she is like the moneymaker. Like, wow, if they can get rid of Reagan, they can really get rid of anyone. Selena didn't know it yet, but she would be the next to go. 
Selena also shared her NLRB confidential witness affidavit with us. In it, she described what happened just a few weeks after Reagan was fired. That night, Selena saw a big group of customers getting drunk. Then they crossed a line. They started filming a dancer on stage without her consent. Many strip clubs restrict filming. You haven't paid to take the show home with you. And in the age of smartphones, it's something that has to be enforced, which one would think would be security's job. The customers only spoke Spanish, and I was the only person who spoke Spanish at the club. So I told them, like, hey, can you please stop recording? And the customer couldn't even, like, give out a full sentence to me. He handed me his phone, and the rest of the table, like, got so rowdy and, like, started screaming at me. Things got loud enough that security got involved. And then Selena said Jenny herself came over and told her to go back to the dressing room. I remember that so clearly when Jenny smiled at Selena and said, you're such a drama queen. And as soon as she said that, I was like, oh, shit. Because anytime Jenny uses the word drama, you're likely going to get fired. Selena says the next day when she came back for her shift, Steve blocked the door. She was out. That was strike two. And then strike three in March 2022. The meeting. Jenny announced to everyone that we weren't allowed to go to security when we felt unsafe. This would later be referenced in a petition by the dancers. We were required to go to management, no matter what, because Jenny and Steve had security cameras, and they watched everything through the security cameras, even when they weren't there. So their idea was that you could call them, and they would look through the security cameras— and then decide what to do with the situation from there. You can't make this kind of decision in a strip club. Strippers need to be able to go to security. That is not safety. That is a two-step process to my safety. Once they made that rule, set it in stone, we were all upset. We were talking about, like, what are we going to do about this? We talked to another dancer who was at this meeting. She backed up Wicked's version of the story. We asked Star Garden Management's lawyer whether some customers were allowed to stay at the club past closing. She declined to comment. We also asked about the firings and the meeting about the new security policy. She said that Star Garden Management had a different account of how Reagan and Selena's firings went down, but she couldn't comment on personnel issues. She couldn't comment on the two-step security rule, either. Wicked felt like she had built something special at Star Garden, and it was being undermined by Steve and Jenny. When they wouldn't let Danger audition, when they ignored safety and security concerns, when they fired her friends. And every single other club that I worked at, I never felt brave enough to stand up to management and tell them, like, this is wrong. How you're treating us is wrong. I never felt brave enough to do that. But this time, Wicked knew she didn't have to be brave on her own. The group chat 
was blowing up. We just had a lot of love for each other. And we solidified that the only way we're going to be able to do something is if we organize together. And that's when we got the idea for the petition. I have the petition here. I took some excerpts from it and I was wondering Fantastic. if you could read them. Yes. We, the dancers at Star Garden, demand that club management immediately reinstate Selena and Reagan to our workplace and respect our right to a safe... In the petition, the dancers laid out all the different issues they've been facing. Guests who were drunk and allowed to stay past closing, the firings, and the security protocols. Dangerous customers from the club immediately without going through management first. Signed, the Star Garden dancers. According to the petition, 15 of the 23 strippers working at Star Garden signed it at the time. More would join the cause later. The plan was to deliver the petition in person, but management wasn't there that night. So they called Jenny on the phone from the dressing room and told her they didn't feel safe enough to work. They agreed to leave and come back the next day to talk it over and gave the petition to the bartender. The next day, we came for our shift, and for the first time, the famous red velvet rope was not inside, but it was now outside the front doors. According to the dancers, security barred the entrance. Management didn't pick up their phones. The dancers were locked out. So as soon as we were not allowed into the building, that Saturday, March 19th, we started picketing, like, immediately. Exotic dancers in North Hollywood walk off the job because of what they say is an unsafe work environment. This demonstration happening tonight outside a topless bar. Fox 11's Travis Rice is... The picket line is This first picket in March 2022 would become a months-long strike outside the club. The dancers would file OSHA complaints laying out their issues with safety and security and file several unfair labor practice charges with the National Labor Relations Board. And eventually, their demands would turn into a campaign to be recognized as employees and to form a union. That's Elias producer Emma Alabaster reporting this series, Strippers Union. Next time on Imperfect Paradise. I got a Google alert for stripper strike and it wasn't anybody that I knew. And it wasn't black folks. The Star Garden dancers picket attracts media attention and brings blowback from folks they didn't expect. Other strippers. I think that it's all about white tears. It's just... Something that's literally leaving out the most marginalized. The people that are suffering the most are completely being ignored. That's coming up on Imperfect Paradise Strippers Union. Listen to new episodes of the podcast every Wednesday or tune in on Sunday nights at 7 p.m. on LAist 89.3 or LAist.com. This episode of Imperfect Paradise Strippers Union was written and reported by Emma Alabaster, with co-writing and co-reporting by Natalie Chudnovsky. I'm the show's host, Antonia Serejido. 
Catherine Mailhouse is the executive producer of the show. And Shayna Naomi Krokmal is our vice president of podcasts. Natalie Chudnovsky is the senior producer. The editor is Audrey Quinn. Production help by Minju Park and Marina Peña. Sound design by Minju Park and Emma Alabaster. Jens Campbell is our production coordinator. Research help from Ali Bianco, Rebecca Katz, and Marina Peña. Our sensitivity reader is Autumn Harris. Fact-checking by Caitlin Antonios. Mixing by E. Scott Kelly and Donald Paz. Special thanks to Laura Ubate, Kiria Traber, and Phoenix So. This podcast is powered by listeners like you. Support the show by donating now at alayas.com slash join. This podcast is supported by Gordon and Donna Crawford, who believe quality journalism makes Los Angeles a better place to live. Hey, it's Brian, the host of How to LA, a podcast that is a love letter to Los Angeles. Independent movie theaters are having a glow-up moment. Vidiots and Eagle Rock, amazing. We have our friends at the American Cinematheque. The Vista just reopened. In our new series, Revival House, we'll take you inside these spots and share their history. Because movie history is LA history. Listen to Revival House on How to LA wherever you listen to podcasts.